When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Hey, hey, I am here with Yaneli Espinal, who is the Director of Educational Outreach, the Next Gen Personal Finance um, and creator of Miss Be Helpful super passionate young woman um, who is born and raised by Dominican immigrant parents in Brooklyn. And Yanelli is a proud product of New York City public schools. Okay. And she's very, very passionate about financial education within the schools. And what we want to talk about today that I think is really relevant to you as far as what, how the next generation personal finance affects you and your business is really how to create a multi-generational business so that especially when you have assets from people who are nearing retirement and um, unfortunately getting to a point where they might die, um, that the money stays within your business, but more importantly than the money staying within your book of business, you're helping the next generation and creating a better future, right? For us, for, you know, for financially, so we can stop this whole pattern of people not being financially set and, and retirees having $10,000 to their name when they, they retire. Right. So, um, you know, tell us a little about you and how you got into this and, uh, why you're so passionate about it. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Robin. I, um, I'm excited to be here. I started my career as a classroom teacher. So my background is in early elementary education. I taught third and fourth grade for three years after college. Um, and I did that through a program called teach for America. And, you know, when I was in college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I just like took a bunch of classes that I really enjoyed. And when it was time to get a job, I was like, uh, I graduated right into like the thick of the 2008, 2009 um, recession. It was still going on when I graduated in 2011. So I just didn't really know what to do. But I knew I had a passion for educating, um, you know, young people. And like for me, education was kind of the key to being able to, to get out of the neighborhood that I grew up in and go off and see other parts of the world. And so I just thought, you know what, let me pay it forward and let me go back and be um, a source of inspiration for kids that are in the same neighborhood that I grew up in. And I ended up getting placed right in New York City. So I taught um, in the public school system for three years. But of course, you know, you're teaching math and writing and reading and you take the kids to science and to recess and lunch and nowhere in the school day was there any talk about money, financial literacy, um, or personal finance. Um, and, I, and I realized then that, okay, I, I want kids to be learning about this. And so instead of staying in that traditional classroom setting, I started thinking about ways for me to branch out and think about how to start connecting myself to more financial education work. And, and what do you do exactly now? Like, how do you help them? And then we'll get to the next, the next generation type of, uh, 
kind of yeah. prospecting and whatnot and keeping the money in the book. But how do you do that specifically? Yeah. So in 2015, I paid off over $20,000 of credit card debt. Um, I had one student loan actually that was under $5,000 um, for a study abroad program. But I really found myself stuck because I was like, I don't understand how I did everything, quote unquote, did everything the right way, you know, got a college scholarship. I you know, was the kid that always got straight A's and Somehow I was making $40,000 a year with $20,000 of debt and it just didn't add up. Like the, the math wasn't mathing and I was getting frustrated. And so I decided to just start learning everything I could about credit cards and how to get out of debt. So I started reading all the books, you know, the Susie Ormans, all the Gene Jatsky, all the books out there. And I got really passionate about, um, you know, helping other young women do the same thing. So I didn't really know how I was going to do that. I didn't have any financial credentials. I didn't have any certifications and, um, and I didn't have a lot of time outside of teaching in the classroom. So I just decided to start making videos on YouTube. That's where my Misty Helpful work comes in. I just started putting videos up there. Like, all right, you all, this is how I went from like below 600 to above 800. Like I took these steps. It took me this much time. You can do it if I could do it. And then I just started getting an influx of emails from people all around the world. Like I got people from India emailing me saying, I'm moving to the United States in two weeks. And I don't know, should I get a debit card or credit card? Should I, what type of bank account should I open? Like your videos taught me so much. And it was just really eye-opening that, you know, this isn't just an American problem. It's a global issue that people aren't talking about money. We're not getting educated about finances. And, um, and then one day I was uh, on vacation actually with my boyfriend and I got an email from a nonprofit called Next Gen Personal Finance, and they were looking for um, you know, they were looking to grow their team, and they were looking for people that specifically had experience with personal finance, knowledge, and education, but also who had um, experience as a teacher, so that we could so they could create curriculum and also help teachers um, in the classroom to teach this stuff. So that's when I kind of decided, you know, maybe this is a good next step for me because it, it kind of combines my passion for money and my experience in the classroom. Um, in a really nice way. And so I've been there full time since mid, mid 2018, creating content, lessons, um, games, videos, and then really training teachers because there's a force of teachers right now who are excited and eager to teach kids about money in schools, but they never learned about money themselves. Right. So we yeah. got to solve that problem. A little bit of a gap. Yeah. Wow. That's right. incredible. That's amazing. How many views did you get on YouTube from that? Just Oh man. So the channel probably has over 3 million channel views, Whoa. but like, yeah, but my first few videos were like over two, 300,000 views. And, and these are videos where it's like how to improve your credit score quickly, you know, how to pick wow. up the right credit card stuff that like, I think, Amazing. you know, people yeah. just didn't know where to go ask these questions. Yeah, so they that's go on Google good. and then go on YouTube. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, I remember I actually did this video when I was um, doing a lot of money coaching and it was about like the getting out of how to get out of credit card debt. And I, I mean, this is like, I knew nothing about YouTube. I didn't know how to optimize it. I it actually was two parts. Cause back then I think you could only do 15 minutes or something. Yes, and so like the first that. part, and I remember we got to like 26,000 views at one point. And for me, I was like, Oh my God, you know, I mean, so many people want to know how to get out of debt. Right. And so I, I was like, man, I should actually do something with it. But of course I never did. And like, and it was two parts and whatever, but, um, but there's, there's so much need for that. And it's, and especially next generation, like so important because yeah. there's a, not that it's about the sense of entitlement, but there is this, like, you know, we're American, we, you know, and you said it's around the world really, but it's like, you know, like 
just they're not exposed to knowing how to do that and just uh, how do you make uh, proper decisions around money when your parents are also in debt and telling you that it's right. okay by showing you so yeah that's really interesting um so let's get back to kind of the topic at hand here which i think will be really relevant to the listeners around multi-generational business model because um i have one of my clients actually her name's Mary Beth and she's at Wells uh, Wells Fargo and what she found was that, you know, a lot of her clients were quite older and because she actually kind of overtook or t- not overtook, but took over. <laughs> it sounds worse to say overtake I know. Uh, <laughs> took over her mom's <laughs> business, her mom, you know, who of course was older, had a lot of clients who were in their seventies in their eighties. And she was like, oh my gosh, like if we don't have a solution to this, the money is not staying here. And like, it's, again, it's yeah. not about you just growing your business, but it's like, they're very passionate about helping people. They're very good at help, helping their clients. And then if the the children and the children's children are not involved, then it's gone. And then it's just, yep. or the inheritance or, or life insurance or whatever. And it's just not necessarily responsible. So she was That's really fine. intentional. She actually has a book called The Legacy of Love and um, really intentional with having those conversations with mm-hmm. the, let's call it the grandparents first, but then bringing them in the conversation. So from your perspective, like what, what's a good way to do that a business model wise, but also again, transformational um, impact wise for advisors so that they can be starting these kids off early to know the right habits. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it, it's critical to involve them for a number of reasons. So I'll start with the why first, and then we'll talk about how, because I do think um, they're slightly different, but they both really matter. And and I think the big why is, I mean, there's two kind of big phenomena that happen. And one is really specifically with women. Um, I think that there's a statistic out there that's like a third of women are um, poised, to, poised to inherit a, a ton of wealth, like a, a really large amount, like trillions, tens of trillions of dollars um, by the end of the decade. So this is an unprecedented amount of money moving into the hands of women. And specifically, we're talking about in the U.S. within the next, you know, five to eight years. So we need to start thinking about what is that? What's that going to look like? What's going to happen in that shift? Most women who inherit wealth like that, they immediately change the advisor who's been working with the money before because it was probably in their husband or their father's or, you know, in in somebody else's um, under their management and under their decision making power. And women want to work with other women and women want to work with somebody that they feel like they can trust, that they feel like isn't, you know, uh, explaining to them in a way that is condescending or that doesn't include them um, fully and doesn't make them feel like informed and educated and empowered. So I think that as women who own businesses around money, finance, or anything that deals with, um, you know, empowerment around economic empowerment, it is our job to focus on multi-generational businesses, because when these women who inherit all of this wealth, this is, you know, again, unprecedented, um, take on the, the this wealth, they're really looking for that type of a relationship with their money managers and advisors. And they're going to be focusing on the things and the people that they care most about, which happens to be their families, their children, right? And so when they're sitting down with you to talk about, does it make sense to have a 529 plan for my kid? And you say, you know, that could be a, a, a good opportunity, especially being that you are telling me that your goals are to have this kid go to college. Let's discuss what that might look like. Let's not discuss it in a vacuum. Let's bring that kid into the conversation. Ask if you, if they're willing to meet you and the child together in a meeting. And I know this sounds a little more like therapy than financial coaching or financial management, but I do think that this is the future we should be envisioning when it comes to conversations about money. Because then if that, regardless of the gender of, of the child, once that child is now in full control of their money, they now trust you. They know you. They've been you know involved in discussions with you. And there's not likelihood that they're going to leave you for another business or for another man. Um, 
manager. And so I think we need to start thinking about how to serve a family in its entirety. And when it comes to women specifically, that usually means them taking care of their parents and them taking care of their children. So it kind of, kind of you know, goes in both ways, especially, you know, my generation, millennials, we are really plagued right now with reaching back and helping our parents through their retirement, but also trying to plan for our own retirement. And then also a lot of us have children. So it's like, ah, we have all these um, generations that we're trying to navigate and help financially at the same time. So thinking about that, that's really the why I think behind why your business should be thinking about making a shift to be inclusive of multiple generations. Um, yeah, and let, me just, let me just chime yeah, in to that because like, I'm like, girl, like you are so speaking my language right here because our whole <laughs> mission is to create female empowered money makers. And I talk about this as far as like in the financial industry, we want femmes, we call them femmes. And we want you as a financial advisor to become a femme. Like if you're not successful in the industry, you're leaving. And we need to increase the footprint of women in the industry to 50% because the women that you're talking about, the young women, the older women, like we, they need your help. And they want to talk to a woman that understands them, that listens and nurtures them. That's not just talking over their head. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. that's a male dominated industry. And they're talking numbers and they're talking proposals and they're talking charts. And like, you know, like talk to me, like I'm a human. Don't talk to me like about my accounts, you know, talk to me. Right. And so this is not happening because of the male dominated industry. And so when I talk about this femme movement, it's like all about creating women in financial services to stay in the industry because they're more successful and be more empowered, but also creating femmes like your clients are these female empowered money makers. Like let's take a young, a young girl who's going to go to college and she understands she has a 529 plan and her, her parents are putting money away now for the future. And she gets to see that like she's empowered. She's an empowered money maker, wealth maker, like wealth creator, all those things. And like, that's how we have to get women part of the conversation. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like part of our movement. We've really defined this now of like this femme movement because we need not only like these women in the industry to be femmes and stay in the industry, but we need them to be working with women who are now empowered financially. So like, that is so awesome. I love that. That's like, like giving me goosebumps. That's great. Yeah. And it really does. And I think it also is a shift that we need to start making where we're not only focusing on our young girls and empowering them to be strong, independent, you know, women who are um, empowered to control their own finances, but we also need to focus on our young boys too, because I recognize that a lot of young boys from an early age take on these, um, whether they're conscious or unconscious, these biases against women that they think, oh, a woman can't handle my money. A woman can't, I can't tie a woman to take oh, care of gosh. my business, you know, and, and, and that's something that we need to shift and change too. So if you have a family that you're working with a woman specifically that you're working with, and she has a son and that son is coming to meetings with you and, and involved in that planning and builds trust, a trusting relationship with you. There's a very small, very small chance that they're going to decide to up and leave just because you're a woman. If their mom is no longer involved in the picture, they know right. you, they're comfortable with you. You know, I think of it as like a family doctor or a teacher that's been in the family teaching all the brothers and sisters along the way. Like, I think that those are the types of relationships um, that matter a lot. And then having young men say, yes, I actually do have a woman as my advisor and I'm proud that she's managing my money. She's great. She's amazing. And like, that can be huge because yes. I think that we need allies when we're talking about, you know, gender equity and especially in the financial space, we need allies in our male counterparts to say, we want to hire women to manage our money. Cause that's something that, you know, I got to say, I, I'm a millennial. I don't know a lot of millennial men who have women managing their accounts or trust women to coach them financially because it's, they, they have these biases and whether they want to talk about them or not, they have internalized this message that, you know, men are supposed to be the ones in control of the money. I'm so glad you said that because that's really interesting. And it's like, 
in order for us to really collectively move this industry, we need men on board as well, of course, you know, and it's like, we need them to support this and see, and a lot of male advisors do see that where they're like, they want to bring on female advisors and also don't know how to encourage female advisors to be on their team. Because again, they're giving them these old male dominated strategies that like, it just doesn't work for women. It's not part of their life. They're like, Oh, let me try to fit you know, this business into your life versus fit your, you know, or fit your life around the business rather versus fit the business around your life. Right. So I said it wrong, but like, and it's like, no, 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 that's, that's not working. So if we can start them at a young age and then see that and like those biases, like that's so freaking true. Like, and it's happening yeah. now in, you know, the, the year 2022, where like everything should be equitable. And it's like, there's no way when we're leading this way. So yeah, bringing men on board, I think all generations as well. Right. And that like seeing that, you know, women are better at it. (laughs) Women are nurturers. Women are, 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 are better listeners. Like we need more of a footprint of women in the industry. And then we need the men on board to support that. One of the um, first people I actually interviewed for the podcast is uh, he was on my second episode, Ron Carson, total male, male, like been in the industry 30 years. And I even remember like seeing one of his videos when I was a first a financial advisor. And it was very much like, you know, he has his, 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 the confidence stance, you know, with his hands in a triangle type of thing. And like, um, you know, he was clean shaven at the time and I didn't tell him this, but he'd probably listen and laugh. Um, and he was talking about how to get clients. And he was talking about going golfing with your buddies. And I was like, dude, like, I don't have buddies. I was 29 years old. I don't golf. Like, and I'm not, can you imagine me with like six-year-old dudes trying to golf at 29 years old, you know, girl, like, and I'm athletic, but not that athletic. And that's how I'm going to get clients. And they're like, oh, let me trust you with my millions. And so like, I laugh about that. But now today he's more of like a super awesome financial advisor, hippie guy, who's all about supporting women and minorities in the industry. And he was like, we need more women and more minorities and African-Americans and, you know, women of color in the industry. And like, he's like, this is a major issue. And so much of the wealth is going to women and there's not support. And like, I was like, damn, I love this guy. Like he's so all about the mission. And so we get guys like that who've been in the industry for 30 years to support this mission and to see yes. And this movement of creating these femmes, female powered moneymakers. I'm like, oh my God, it's like, now we can change the world. Now we can do this, but I love you involving the next generation because it's so easy for me, even as like someone who helps people grow their, like women grow their business. I'm all about like, Hey, let's start with who's the ideal client you want to clone. That's my thing. I talk about cloning and we're usually looking at like, I want it to be a woman who's successful because they're already leading. And if they're shackled by the money problems, they're not going to be able to lead. Right. So I'm like, yeah, those executives, business owners, like the, the physicians, whatever, like the, the successful women, let's help them. But what Mm -hmm. I haven't been talking about, and I'm so glad you brought up is like involving the family. And I kind of make that assumption to some degree, but it's like, that's not an assumption I should make because even when you said like right. involving the child in the 529, like, you know, my daughter's 14, like how involved is she in these decisions? We gave her some money every year and we're like, we're going to teach you how to invest. And like, she's like, when are we going to do that, Robin? Like she's my stepdaughter. Right. So she tells me Robin, but I'm like, damn, I need to like, I need to put time and like, and not just me, but as a whole with advisor, my advisor and all this, like, so this is really great. That's great. So yeah. what else? you were going to get more into the how, like, how else would you suggest that they, you know, they, they bring this more, I like the family practice analogy. Like that's so good. It's like, this is like a family, yep. family doctor, family practice. Um, how else would you bring, like get them involved and, and create this multi-generational uh, model? 
Yeah, I mean, I think to your point right there that you made about um, having the intention to include your daughter, right, but then just not having had the chance to do it, you know, and, and this isn't something that is just true to the average American or like the average person, you know, like me and you, like a lot of celebrities talk about this being an issue for them. I was watching, um, I think it was The View a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there was a bill that was proposed in Florida that would require a personal finance standalone semester course uh, for graduation, for high school graduation. It has since been signed into law. So thank goodness that law passed in the state of Florida. Um, but while it was still kind of just a hot topic and it wasn't sure, um, people weren't sure if it was going to become law or not, they were discussing it on The View. And one of the hosts, um, Sunny, she was talking about this, about how her son, I mean, this, she's a lawyer, famous celebrity. I mean, people know her, right? And she's talking about how her son, um, she did everything. She set up the accounts for him. She put the money little by little over time, dollar cost averaging into his 529, um, set up a Roth IRA for him, you know, when he started working. He didn't know how to be self-sufficient. He didn't even know how to be independent financially because mom was doing everything for him. Mm -hmm. And I know that that mom thinks she was doing that for the right, with the best of intentions. And she probably thought she was doing things right to set him up for success, but you can't set him up. You have to set things up with him. And there's a difference there. So I feel like one, one of the hows um, for, for us as, you know, coaches, uh, business, um, uh, business coaches, financial coaches, uh, financial advisors, money managers, we have to sit down with our client and say, outside of this one-on-one -on -one meeting with me and you, what's happening? How is this trickling down to your kids? How is this trickling up to your parents? How is this trickling over to your partner? What can I help you uh, with to achieve that goal of making sure this trickles out, up and down. So if that's activities, resources that you can share with your clients, if that's a specific routine that you uh, can recommend that they instill in their weekly habits, like when you go to the grocery store with your girls, don't just pay, have them keep tabs, have them have a piece of paper and they're going through the budget to make sure we don't spend more than $140 or whatever your budget is, right? Have them doing the work whenever it involves money. And that way, it's not going to be a taboo. It's not going to be uncomfortable. It's not something that you're doing for them, but you're doing it with them. And I think um, that that puts some a little bit of onus on us in the industry to do a little bit of work and find resources that are child-friendly, find activities that we can share via email, whether that's through your newsletter, whether that's through um, you know a, a, a statement where you send them a statement you, at the bottom, you link, hey, by the way, here's a few resources that I recommend that are student-friendly. There's podcasts for kids, like there's a new great one called Million Bazillion, where you can actually just play it in the car and your kids are in the back listening to financial education in a, in a kid appropriate way. Like there, these resources are out there. It's going to take some time for you. And maybe that means you just put 30 minutes, you know, every two weeks on your calendar to source really good resources on the web that you can then recommend to your clients so that you're doing more than just servicing their individual needs, but really helping them trickle it down up and over in their families. That's so awesome. I love that. I, when I was a financial advisor, I, I actually started working with parents of young kids, like who were in preschool and whatnot. And I was teaching something yeah. called that I called money parenting. It's like how to parent your kids like around money. Right. So the parenting skill 
And a lot of it was involving the kids and the conversation more than anything, though, it was being a good example, because I'm like, your beliefs and behaviors are being passed down to your kids when you're not in abundance. And when you're, you're like, I remember when my, one of my clients was talking about, cause I made her aware of like the language she's using and she's in the car and her kid in the back, who's like four years old goes, we're on a budget, we're on a budget, you know? And like, just, just like, what the heck does that mean? But like, he heard it so many times or yeah. we did these things where we'd go and we kind of did this the other, just last night, actually, but we would call it a shopping discovery trip. Like we used to do this with my daughter who's now 14 when she was three. And we would go like, cause she'd want to buy things, want to buy things. And we're like, you don't like we're in abundance, but we don't just teach her like to buy anything the second she wants it. Right. And so we would go and go on a shopping discovery trip and we would discover what do you want? And then we take pictures of it. And then we have this goal thermometer where we teach her like, when you get to this certain state, you know, you could decide you want the thing, the, the, the thing that you get 10 points and you get that first thing and it's only yep. 10 bucks or do you wait and have, have delayed gratification all the way to the top. So we used to teach that. And it was really cool. Like this money parenting yeah. idea. And, you know, Unfortunately, like I can tell you, I stopped doing that stuff. Like we used to have money jars with my daughter. Now my son's four. We've never done money jars. My, my other daughter's almost two. We, you know, we wouldn't do much, but yesterday we went to the store. We were shopping for a gift for their their birthday party today. And my daughter, who's almost two is starting to pull the dolls, you know, like, in, you know, it's all packaged out, but she's like, here's, you know, taking this doll and one, she's dragging the, the box with the doll in it, you know, and then she's grabbing something else. And this one woman who's probably in her, you know, mid sixties was like, I said, oh, well, she's not going to take that home. Like she has plenty of dolls at home. Like she doesn't need that. And she's like, is she going to have a tantrum? Like, is she going to freak out? I'm like, uh, no, like we're not going to let her freak out. If she does, she's going to be busted. Like we don't like just buy whatever we see. And I said, we take a picture of it. And she, if she wants it, her birthday is next month. If she wants it, then that could be something on her list, you know? So we're teaching the kids to some degree because we're really like intentional with our money. But then, you know, I'm looking at some of the things we do and we're, like, you know, Amazon arriving every other day. My husband likes to spend money on Amazon. So it's like, oh, there's just constant abundance. And the other thing that happened that was awesome the other day when we were actually at Walmart, there was like some family begging for money and stuff like right outside of Walmart. Okay. We, this is actually why we went to Walmart yesterday again, because this, this kid was there. My, my son had talked about um, giving his water bottle. Like literally that day was like, I want to give my water bottle to a kid because we're talking about like kids less fortunate. And then we happen to see this, you know, husband and wife with their kid begging. And so he literally, my son, four years old goes, he want, he's like, can I give it to him? And so we went out and gave this water bottle. I'm like, make sure you wash it germs, you know, but like, he really wanted to give. So that's why we yeah. went back yesterday when we went, got a present, he packed up boys that he wanted to give to this kid who happened oh. to not be there, but it was like, we're trying to teach them through what we do. But at the that's same great. time, sometimes we completely ignore it and we don't think about it. And we just spend money like it's water. And it's like, like, so being super conscious of it, I think is really important. And then I love the idea. Like if my financial advisor said, Hey, you know, your daughter should be on the call with us. Like, cause we're talking about her future. And, you know, if my advisor, she was like, like, let's bring her, like, I would, I, I really respect that because I'm like, Oh, thank you for Absolutely. helping me. Cause it's already overwhelming for me to do this and bring it to my kids. So we need the advisors to lead this so that the busy moms and parents aren't going to be like, oh, I don't have time because I I say I don't have time. You know, I don't have energy. I don't have the attention. Just everything's hard enough to get them to eat vegetables. Last thing I want to do is like talk about money. Exactly. Exactly. And I love that point because at the end of the day, you're helping your clients even more, right? There's this value add on top of the service that they expected. So you're exceeding their expectations when you say, oh, on top of the fact that you're going to have a financial plan put in place, you're also going to be able to 
bridge this gap between you having money conversation with the next generation, which is something you probably already intend to do. But guess what? You baked in the time to your schedule to come here and meet with me. Let's also bake in a little bit of that time for you to talk with your child about money too. Because, you know, you go home and you're like, okay, check one thing off my list. I already had my meeting with my financial advisor. And then you intend, again, like Sunny said on The View, we intend to talk with our kids, but we end up just handling it for them because we don't want them to feel stressed, right? Um, But I think that the intention and the impact are very different. We intend to help them when the impact is actually that they don't have a clue what to do about money. And that's really not the outcome that we want as parents. Um, And so definitely, I think your role as an advisor is really um, a powerful one because you can empower uh, your your clients to, to have those conversations right in that space and design a plan where they don't have to just talk about their kids. They can talk to their kids and you can help them through that. And um, and like you said, I mean, I love the fact that having visuals and charts and things so that the children can see the actual progress and get those messages in a visceral way. Like every time I rip a ticket, every time I color in another bead, every time I add to my temperature, um, to my thermometer, you know, these are things that they will always be able to anchor back to goals and working towards goals around money. Yeah. 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 And even with like, I remember we used to have people come to my talks and stuff and they'd want to know how much do I pay my kid in, in, in allowance, you know, like, and I'm like, well, that's less important than like, first of all, do you want them to be a job type of person where it's like per hour or per per right. project, or do you want it to be more like a business? You know, it's like being intentional about that understanding, like all those things you're teaching your kids, um, you have to work hard for the money, you know, type of things like it's being indoctrinated. Right. So there's so many good nuggets here. Like, I love it. We can p- talk about this all day, um, but that's we right. won't, we'll leave them hanging. Um, so tell them where, you know, tell them where to find you. This is so good. This is great. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. So um, if you want to learn more about uh, just my own work with like posting content, creating content, you can find me on YouTube or Instagram, Miss Be Helpful, M-I-S-S-B-E Helpful. Um, I've been doing a lot of speaking engagements, youth conferences, women's conferences. So if you, you're looking for a speaker, I love doing that work. And then if you're looking for something more in the traditional education space, you can follow me um, with my work at NGPF, um, NGPF.org. And you can also so just reach out to me, Yanelli at ngpf.org. Um, and then finally, uh, I just recently joined last year the CNBC Financial Wellness Council. So I've been doing a lot of work with them around um, you know, hosting events and spreading the word about financial wellness. And this year in 2022, we're really focusing on Financial Literacy Awareness Month, which is the month of April, and trying to uh, promote more financial literacy resources. So on my Instagram, I'll be posting a lot of books for early literacy around money, ideas, topics, themes, lessons, and also resources that will help parents um, save money for their kids, uh, for college funds, for vacations, for toys, for whatever it is. And then also learning about investing when it comes to teaching kids about building wealth and investing, how to do that, um, you know, and, and sharing resources around that. Cause everybody's like, Oh, I, I love the idea, but you know, where do I go to help my kids buy a stock? Right. So just lots of different resources around that as well. Wow. That's amazing. Get on that ladies, get on that. That was so good. <laughs> That's so good. Well, thank you all for joining us. This has been amazing. And we'll see you next time on Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. I actually have the link for the tag challenge, the appointment generator challenge. So instead, you can just go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register right now so that you can get five quality appointments in just five days. Now, this is not around you know you having to talk to friends and family and get all awkward. This is not about you having to spend marketing dollars online or create a whole funnel. This is going to be easy. It's simple. It happens in five days. If I can get you five quality appointments in five days, then you know that you can have the best year of your life because you just need to get in front of more of the right people. We will walk through it together as we do it. So do not miss this. And if 
you can, if you're smart, do VIP, spend a few extra bucks and you can actually spend time with me on Zoom where I can connect with you, get to know you and really help you get those quality appointments so that you can grow your business. And um, go ahead again, register at femalefinancialadvisors.com. You'll find it all there. It's happening, coming up very, very soon. So make sure to register, claim your spot, get in on this, get excited about it, block your calendar because you need to spend about an hour to an hour and a half uh, a day with me on the Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so that you can get these results. And it does work. The most appointments I think we got in those five days, uh, someone, I think it was Dana, got 33 appointments. So you could be my best student and go well beyond the five quality appointments. Go to 10, go to 15, go to 20, and set yourself up for the best year ever. Can't wait to see you at the Tag Challenge. See you there. Thank you again for listening to Grow Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.